Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. It's League Championship Series season, and I'm surrounded by Red Sox fans. They were nowhere to be found during the regular season, and here they are. They are bombarding this Nosebleeds hey, podcast. To be found? As we, yeah. Nowhere to I, Excuse me. I'm not you, taking you that. You spend your summers Never in looked. Queens, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, let's get down to it. Let's talk business, gentlemen. First off, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nosebleeds podcast. You heard our friend Nick DeLuca introduce us in. This is WFUV's one, and uh, to my knowledge, our only, I could be mistaken, but our only baseball uh, podcast. It's always a pleasure to be here, especially here during the wonderful month of October for multiple reasons. It's the most wonderful month out of the year. My name is Dylan Balsamo here with you this afternoon as we record this along with my friends, Mr. Sam Davis and Mr. Thomas Quigley over in the other room as we record this. But Sam, how's it going? Uh, it's going wonderful. I mean, you mentioned it perfectly walking over here. First of all, we're in studio, which should yeah. be noted. First time for podcasts, at least being in studio, which feels incredible. It's nice to see you guys. Yeah. Second of all, the weather today just feels like a perfectly crisp, cool uh, October day. Earlier in the year, it was a little warmer, uh, earlier in October at least, but now it's nice and crisp, nice and cool. I love the weather, and even more so, I love the baseball being played right now. Two incredible series. I can't wait to dive into them. We will dive into them in just a second. As I alluded to a second ago, we're so in order to stick to COVID protocols as we get back into the studio for this, mm-hmm. there's only two guys allowed here in the main room. Over here in our production part of the studio is our friend and also producer for the day, Mr. Thomas Quigley. How's it going, bud? It's going real well. That's all you got. Huh? That's all I got. <laughs> oh, Wait, no, it's actually going really good. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited for game three tonight. Uh, as you mentioned, it's very, very brisk out, very crispy. And uh, that's that's October for you. I'm very excited uh, because it's going to be some real Fenway October baseball tonight, tomorrow, and the next night. It is bound to be good. Tonight, as we record this, will be Game 3 of the American League Championship Series between the aforementioned Boston Red Sox and the Astros of Houston. However you feel about them, the reality of things are is they are a good baseball team. And they're fighting for another American League pennant. They're third in, I guess, four or five years, if I can count I'm not much of a math major myself but guys l- let's let's get talking about this series because this has been a really even series we're up uh, a game apiece to this point as we head into game three tonight uh, but I think in really every aspect of this both teams have had the time to shine Sam yeah. and uh, both teams have shown <laughs> they came to play yeah I mean what you thought going into this series is okay every game is going to be a shootout essentially every game is going to be extremely high scoring especially with with Astros with the Astros not having McCullers that's kind of a huge loss for them heading into this series that kind of I guess gives the Red Sox a slight advantage starting pitching wise but it's close with the way Chris Sale has been pitching although he was better a little bit in game one but you expected kind of a shootout between both sides Game one wasn't quite like that. It was a little bit more low scoring than people expected. You still saw some offensive fireworks. I mean, you saw big homers from Altuve and Correa, of course, you know, standing up and pimping it, letting everybody know. But game one, I mean, this series has just been an absolute roller coaster. You go from game one 
I think Chris Sale was better. He wasn't great, obviously, only not even getting out of the third inning. But to that, that's an improvement from his last two starts with how bad he's been at times. He's starting to slowly try and figure things out. He worked his way out of a little bit of jams. He kept the Red Sox with a 3-1 lead at the time. And then the Red Sox couldn't add on, and that's obviously where things kind of went off the rails for them. The Astros were able to fight back, tie the game, and then put up the lead there in Game 1. So that really was kind of the difference maker there, the Red Sox not being able to add on. Because in this series with two dominant offenses, it's about not just getting leads, but maintaining leads and building leads. I, I think that's a big part of this as well. Three runs, I know it's early for the Red Sox. It was like three innings, they, they put up three runs. Certainly not bad, but you need to add on to that. You need to continue. You cannot be satisfied when you have a dominant lineup that the Astros have. And in Game 2, you saw that on the other side of things. The Grand Slam in the first inning, weren't satisfied, got another one in the second inning. All of a sudden, that game was just about over. And even when it seemed over, eight runs, nine runs, Astros still fought back, put up five runs, made it a little bit acceptable, I guess you could say, a little respectable, and made it closer. So for me, that's what's been interesting about these series is that Not only do these offenses have to produce, but they have to continue to produce throughout the game and not get settled with three or four runs early or even a big score and a big number in one inning. I'd like to add that uh, those extra two runs that the Astros got at the end of game two, those didn't count. Those didn't count because they will never see Darwin Hernandez (laughs) in this series unless they're once again down by six runs in the ninth inning. So I I don't take too much from that. I think of that game as a 9-3 game, as it probably should have been. Uh, Darwin's and Hernandez really shouldn't be seeing them out in any playoff situation. Um, but I think Sam's right. The Red Sox have been getting out to hot offensive starts in this series. And and even, you know, obviously, like, Saturday, was that Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. You, uh, you go up 8 nothing in the second inning. It's all right to coast a little bit. Um, but still, they didn't add on anything after the second inning until, you know, Ke- well, okay, you had Kike's home run. But... He is the one guy on that team that really has no quit. The rest of the offense is kind of just shutting down after the first few innings. So, I mean, if you get out to an 8 nothing lead, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But you have to hold them and then just kind of hope that, you know, that'll get you through it. I think the Red Sox just are getting a little bit complacent. Um, but, you know, I'm nitpicking right now because they're tied with the Astros. Probably one of the best teams in the league, if not, you know, the best. I, I'm honestly a little bit more worried about these Astros team than either of the teams in the NL right now. Obviously, Braves just went up 2-0 last night, um, so that kind of puts the Dodgers in a big hole. And the Braves, you know, they won 88 games. They definitely, they were trailing the Mets. They were trailing the Mets for almost the, like, whole season. Gut punch to Dylan Balsamo. I'm sorry, Dylan. Yeah. But, okay, well, okay, first off, if we're taking shots here, first of all, there's no such thing as runs that don't count, okay? Runs are runs. The Red Sox allowed the two runs, <laughs> well, I understand. and that's what it is. I understand Quig's point, though. Darwinson Hernandez was horrible. I mean, he could not find the strike zone. He is not coming into a meaningful game. Oh, yeah, game. certainly. But I, I think there's both sides to it. I, I really do. I think we're nitpicking a little bit because we know how dangerous the Astros lineup is. Certainly. And we know how you can't get complacent against a really good Astros team. I mean, obviously, one-to-one heading to Fenway for three straight is tremendous if you're a Red Sox fan. You put yourself in really good position especially when you have Erod on the mound, you have Pavetta in the bullpen, you have a lot to look forward to. But it, we can nitpick a little because we know what Correa can do. We know what Altuve t- can do. Bregman, I mean, this lineup is incredibly deep. You cannot count them out of a single game, of a single moment, and that's why I think we nitpick a little bit here. Understood. So 
you know, as as we get into it here, and again, just to recap for those of you who perhaps didn't get to see the beginning of the series, Astros won the first game five to four. Really tight game there. Go ahead, home run late did things for them, and the Red Sox went up big. It was eight nothing at the beginning of the game. Yeah. In game two. Yep. In Houston, they ended up winning that game nine to five, like we were just talking about in a second. But here's my my real question: is you, you look at this Red Sox team, and and I completely agree with both of you here in that they are stacked in terms of talent. My my question for the for the both of you, having you know observed this team all season, unlike you know most of the national audience that has been tuning into this series, and we'll see them at Fenway at home tonight, is you know. This was not a year that they were supposed to be even near the top of their division. This was, you know, obviously, as we talked about all season here on this podcast, this was the Yankees' league to lose at this point. Yeah. You know, that's obviously not the case anymore. Red Sox, pretty good most of the year, fell quite streaky around August. They really fell out of things. They were able to, you know, keep things back up. But my question is when you got a team that's also as good and also as experienced as the Houston Astros are, and Thomas, I'll start with you here. Uh, do you have any worries about the Red Sox level of sustainability, not only through a seven-game series, but let's say they can get past the Astros and face, at this point, perhaps the Atlanta Braves in the World Series? What, what is what is your feeling? What to what's your temperature check of the Red Sox right now? They're hot, but no. In seriousness, my goodness, what is? <laughs> oh, you're, you're like a bad game show contestant. You're like, <laughs> well, the Sox are hot right now, and I mean, they just gotta. They're they're getting hot at the right time. Obviously, this offense has been potent all year, and it really second half there's a little bit of a dip. But you know, I think their play in the second half was much more uh, a testament to their pitching. Oh, sorry, a little, little thing stuck wow. in my throat. We can edit uh, that. The pitching uh, was really the, the thing that was lacking for the Red Sox in the second half, and really caused them to fall in the standings. Uh, the offense has kind of just been there all season, uh, and right now, you know, everybody's hot right now. You got Kike's just otherworldly right now and he's not supposed to be you have Renfro who was another signing that went under the radar he's been an offensive threat all year and has continued to produce in the playoffs uh Alex Verdugo who really had kind of an off year coming off of a good year last year right after the trade he's he's getting hot once again and at the perfect time and of course you got Rafi Devers who's people say are injured but you know he had a grand slam on Saturday uh and JD Martinez is one of the most formidable bats in Major League Baseball over the past four years. So, you know, the Sox, I think they're they're definitely in a hot streak, but it's not like this is, you know, completely out of the blue. Like, this team puts up runs, and I don't think it's crazy to think that they'll continue to do that. Now, whether Kike Hernandez continues to hit a home run every at-bat, Probably not. Yeah, he's got a 1,600 OPS. Yeah, I mean, that'll, 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 probably, that'll probably come down. Yeah. But as far as the, the entire offense as a unit, I don't think that they're really playing out of you know what their potential is right now. I don't think they're playing above their potential too much, and I think that they'll continue to do so. It's just really a matter of whether the Sox pitching can sustain itself, whether Erod has another you know good performance like he did last game in the clincher against the Rays. Um, or maybe that wasn't the last game I know. I'm messing myself up now. But Erod, if he can stay, you know, to the, the point where he was in that game five or the game four, um, and if we can get, you know, another fantastic performance from uh, Nick Pavetta uh, in, in some of these games upcoming, I mean, it's really down to the bullpen for the Red Sox. Those late innings because there are plenty of guys like Sawamura who really didn't look good in game one. Um, Darwin's or Hernandez, hopefully we don't have to use him. 
but uh, there are plenty <laughs> of arms that really give you pause when they come in uh, for the Red Sox. So that, I think that's the big you know, pitfall for the Red Sox if they are to start losing games in this series. Quiggs, you bring up a great point there, and I just want to hop in because this lineup, you're right, it's been good for essentially all the year, uh, the entire year. Maybe there was a, a brief moment there where they struggled a little bit down the stretch, but for the most part, this lineup has been very solid all year, and it's been, you know, almost expected. Maybe it's not expected to be this good, but certainly expected to be a very solid group leading this team. But the starting pitching and the bullpen, the pitching in general, I think that's kind of the difference maker for this series going forward. I mentioned it right at the top. The Red Sox might have a slight advantage in starting pitching now with Lance McCullers hurt. I think that's a huge loss for, for mm-hmm. the Astros. They're trotting out some younger starters. You know, we saw it with Luis Garcia. You know, he didn't make it out of really the second or third inning. And I think it's the first or second inning there. Um, you saw even with Framber Valdez, who's one of their best starters this year, the Red Sox got to him as well early. So for me, like, that's going to be, you know, I, I think both lineups are very solid, but that's where the difference maker comes in. Which starting pitching, which bullpen can really step up? Because that is obviously the weaker side of both teams. But which one decides, okay, hey, we're going to really, you know, maybe Chris Hill steps up and has a better start. Maybe Nick Pavetta continues to be dominant. Maybe Eduardo Rodriguez falls up from his last start and produces another good one here in Game 3 tonight. That's going to be the difference maker for me. You'll have Fenway behind you three games in a row. That's huge for the Red Sox being tied. But if the starting pitching slips, if the bullpen slips, this Astros lineup is going to make you pay. So that's the difference maker for me. That's where I think the Red Sox can sustain themselves. The Red Sox can really make this run serious and find themselves in the World Series is if that pitching, they have stepped up at times, but they've been inconsistent. If they can continue to step up, you know the offense is going to ball out. You know Kike Hernandez has been unbelievable. You know he's going to continue that hot streak. And you know you know this lineup, Devers, J.D. Martinez, you go all the way down, Verdugo. It's incredible. But the pitching, the pitching for me, I can't stress it enough. That is the difference maker for each side. I think it's interesting to talk, Sam, consistency when, you know, obviously a, a consistent 1,600 OPS for uh, for <laughs> Kike Hernandez is, is not going to happen. No. But a consistent, you know, 750 OPS. Might, you, you know, there's it, it's interesting to talk consistency when the lineup has been so, you know, Hot. bashfully crazy yeah. offensively that, you know, eventually you cool down. But even at, at a cool down from that point, it's still a good place to be. Yeah. It may not be 100 degrees, but it's 75 and degrees. And the thing with the postseason is it's such a short amount of time in such a long season. So if you see like a, a over a 40-game stretch, maybe the offense cools down after 20 games. Of course. But in the playoffs, I mean, how many games are there left? Not that many. You know, yeah. you're in game three now, and then you would have the World Series. So you, we could very well see the Red Sox continue to produce offensively as they have been doing. Very much so. And I, I think, you know, this is something you, you alluded to uh, more uh, blatantly, Sam, but... Uh, uh, T-Quakes was also uh, talking about it as well, was, uh, you know, the, the the bullpen here is going to be a big deal. I think especially for two teams that, you know, obviously like to score runs and have been doing so. Um, you, you know, the Red Sox got started early in Game 2, but these are two teams that like to score late, and they have all season. So that's going to be an enormous part of this, is that the, the bullpen, <clears throat> excuse me, the bullpen is going to be enormous for both these teams because though that eighth, that ninth inning, especially at Fenway, is going to be crazy. So let's talk about tonight. So as you listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, we, we hope you are hearing this sometime on Monday afternoon, getting ready for the 8.08 first pitch tonight at Fenway. Red Sox hosting the Astros. As we talked about, Erod on the mound for Boston. 
And I, I actually want to get both of your opinions on this because you both know Fenway and, and what Red Sox home games are like much more th- than I do. And I want your opinion not just on uh, what do you think happens tonight and the uh, advantage the Red Sox have now having, you might say, taken home field advantage back in this series. But, Sam, what is the effect of, of playing at Fenway? What is that environment? How is that going to help the Red Sox? Uh, and how might that affect specifically tonight? Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, being here in New York, I've, on a personal note, I've been absolutely dying to go to Fenway uh, <laughs> to, to catch a playoff game. And Craig's is nodding his head because he will be there for game four. But I'll let him tell, tell that in a second. But for me, you know, watching these games on, uh, on the television, watching maybe I, I noticed in the, in the Rays series, you know, when I think it was Margot slid off the base a little bit and then they ended up tagging him out. You know, the Red Sox fans go quiet for a second because it looked like he stole the base and he was safe, and then they tag him out. That crowd eruption was probably the loudest I've heard just over a phone in a really long time at any sort of event. And what's interesting and unique about Fenway is the fans are on top of you. The fans are right there. It's a smaller environment. It's a little bit of a smaller stadium than most fields, obviously, Fenway being so historic as it is. The fans are on top of you, which creates an incredible environment and a really tough environment for the Astros. I'm sure they're going to hear it from this Red Sox crowd throughout the series, throughout the next three games. I'm super excited to see what the crowd brings because they were electric in the divisional series. I can only imagine what they're going to be here as the stakes get a little bit higher here against the Astros. I don't want to downplay how insane Fenway gets, but I going into the series, I was a little bit worried about Minute Maid because, you know, it's, it mm. is a dome, yeah. and Astros fans... There are plenty of them, and they're not, you know, too sorry about being Astros fans anymore. So uh, they were loud, and I thought, and I knew they were going to be loud. And I was worried that if you if you go down early to the Astros, it's hard to come back. And the yeah. Sox took took early leads in both those games, so they didn't really have to deal with it. If you're an Astros fan or an Astros player, and you go down early in that in that first game at Fenway, it's going to be hard to crawl back because it is a loud environment. You're going to get chirped a lot because <laughs> of some things that you've done in the past. And now Red Sox fans ne- might not be the best people to bring you to court on that uh, <laughs> considering their manager. But they will anyway. Oh, they was, certainly will. And they will take no they will take no prisoners. Right. It's considering their manager was a bit of, of a ringleader for that whole scheme, but uh, it's funny that you you that I mentioned that. I it's funny that I me- I mentioned it. So that's funny. But um <laughs> My the reason that I'm going to Game Four is because my friend who I went to the wild card game with, who is a Yankees fan but goes to school in the Boston area, bought tickets. He just bought tickets and said, "Come with me." He said, "On me." So wow. obviously that's a deal I can't refuse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going up there, uh, but he's going to be rooting for the Red Sox, and he's a diehard Yankees fan. Wow! But he hates the Astros. Wow! That wow. Much. Okay. This is something. This is really interesting, and I saw a little discourse about it on Yankees Twitter this yeah. past week. I, um, I, I don't think you're a real Yankee. I hate to say that because I don't care who I hate. I, I would never root for the New York Yankees as a Red Sox fan, so I, I cannot call you a real Yankees fan if you're rooting for the Red Sox. I, I know you hate Houston, but that I don't know. Tell your friend this. There is no way he's a real, real Yankees fan. I have to, I have to say. You that. know what? I, w- I would, I would wait until you know after you've go to this game that he has paid for. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Never mind. My bad. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. No. I, 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 I think wait maybe a couple months on saying that just, yeah. to, just to let it cool off. Yeah. 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 Maybe not the best idea considering he, uh, he paid for the tickets. But perhaps so. Yeah. But you're. It's very interesting. You mentioned how the the Astros are 
uh, Astros fans are no longer ashamed. They're 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 thumping their chests as much as anyone is yeah. at this point, which is weird. And again, you know, tough to talk about as a Red Sox fan when your manager was involved. The Mets are in a similar position, but we can talk about that on another day. This is a whole <laughs> conversation for another episode of this podcast. But, you know, that's enough about the Red Sox and the Astros. Hope you enjoy that game tonight and the rest of that series. Talk more about it next week. But let's get down to the other series here. I, I would argue nowhere near as interesting, Sam. But uh, I disagree. I mean, I, I mean, to me, what's interesting about it is that this is the exact opposite of what I thought was going to happen yeah, at this point. Yeah, that's what's interesting. You think so? Yeah, that's exactly what's interesting. I mean, this Braves team... Maybe you're a little biased because you're a little jealous of of the Atlanta Braves coming hey, out of the I don't, NL East. I don't, okay, I don't feel an, I don't Mets feel a need a perfect, to bring I don't feel a need to bring my personal life into this uh, <laughs> podcast episode, Samuel. My the Mets had a perfect opportunity to bury the Braves right before the deadline. <laughs> oh my god. What goodness. did the Atlanta Braves do? They added at the deadline and look who the guys are that are stepping up. Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, you can go down the list. They got so much better at the deadline. They really did. It changed their season. They find a way to win the division, and now look what they're doing. Not only do they beat the Brewers, who a lot of people thought that wasn't going to happen, mm-hmm. but they take two games from the from the L.A. Dodgers. I mean, are you kidding? Yeah. And, and the way that they're doing this, I've been unbelievably impressed with Max Fried. He's been incredible. Charlie Morton has been really good as well. When you have two... I guess not really aces, but but two guys leading that staff right now with postseason experience. Freed is young, but he has good postseason experience. Leading that staff, that sets you up in a good direction. The bullpen's been pretty good. And this lineup, this lineup, we're talking about Astros Red Sox lineups that are dangerous. The Braves lineup is very dangerous as well. Austin Riley has been incredible. That infield, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, and Austin Riley. That is a group right there. That is essentially your one through four hitters, maybe not in that order. But those guys lead that that lineup, and I've been super impressed with the Braves. And on the other side with the Dodgers, I think it's been incredibly disappointing for them because they had a chance, and I know it's on the road, so it's not a huge deal. They have three in a row in L.A., and they also came back from down 3-1 to one to the Braves last season. So yeah. they've done this before. So it's not super panic mode for the Dodgers, especially with their talent, but you had a great chance to win both of those games in Atlanta. And when you have chances to steal games on the road and you don't do it, you don't capitalize, that puts yourself in a really dangerous situation. I know you're going home, but I think being down 2-0 going home, they're, they're going to be very disappointed considering they were they had they had chances, and I'm sure we'll get into it, to win both of those games. You, you bring up something important that I wanted to make sure we mentioned. In fairness to the Dodgers, both these games were, were one-run losses. It was a 3-2 on Saturday, and uh, five to four yesterday as we record this on Sunday. They're off on Monday. They'll get going back in L.A. on Tuesday for Game Three. But again, Atlanta with a two nothing series lead here. Thomas, I- I'm I'm curious of your opinion of like so so for the for the Dodgers. This is obviously some kind of underperformance. A team that won a hundred plus games. How do you assess how they've performed so far in this series and and what your projections are for the rest of the series, especially with the amount of talent that they've had? What is happening? I think the Braves are just kind of on a similar wavelength with the Red Sox. They're very hot right now, but unlike the Red Sox, they haven't been like this, you know, offensively for most of the year. Yeah. Uh, the Red Sox have, so that's why I think it's a little bit weirder that the Braves are kind of just hitting a, a real hot streak right now. But I, if I'm the Dodgers right now, I'm really not that concerned. And here's why. Wow. You did wow. win 106 Woo. games in the regular season, right? 106. That's a lot. The Braves won 88. So you just got to keep that in your mind. You are the better team, definitely. And and they said this on the broadcast last night after the game. The Braves held serve. 
they won their two home games, which is what they had to do. If they dropped one of those games, everybody picks the Dodgers to win the series. Right now, I don't even think that, like, too many people would say that the Braves are heavy favorites in this series because you got to go back to L.A. where the Dodgers won. Yeah. Seven, they had like a 700 winning percentage at home this this year. I forget. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe 58 games. I forget. They said it on the broadcast last night. But the Dodgers win at home. They are they won almost 30 more games than your team. And they have a basic all-star lineup and rotation. Max Scherzer was was not, you know, what he has been in the past last night. He he admitted it in the post game that he didn't have his best stuff yeah. and they got rid of it. But you you still have Walker Bueller. You have Urias. You have a ridiculous rotation. You have Kenley Jansen as a, as a closer. Obviously, he had threw one pitch last night, and it was a base hit up the middle. But an inch, like a literal glove movement, movement to an inch to the right, and that's maybe you know an inning ending out. Uh, I forget if there was two outs or one out. But the point is, I'm not worried if you're the Dodgers because you have. The better team, you just got to convince yourself of that. You got Mookie Betts in right field is just going after a, a season that really does not match up to his entire career. He's having a fantastic postseason, yeah. and I think they just really need to. I don't know. Just you, you have a travel day here. You're going home. I think the Dodgers. I really. I, I'm going to stick with the Dodgers because I just don't see the Braves continuing this hot streak right now, even though Freddie Freeman is still. Ice cold at the plate. Yeah. Their best yeah. player. So, I mean, that's encouraging for the Braves that you're doing all of this without Freddie Freeman's bat really doing anything. But I still think they're just way overperforming, and they're going to come down to earth when they when they head to L.A. Well, you know, there's not a ton of time, if you're the Dodgers, to hope for the Braves to come back down to earth. And I think that's something we were talking about with uh, the Red Sox-Astros series, too, on, on the other side of things is, you know, this this Red Sox team is is – overperforming at this point. The question is, how long can they do that? And the real answer to that question is, well, there's not that many games left in, mm-hmm. in any situation, you know, in the rest of this series or even in the rest of potentially the next one. So the 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 worry for the Dodgers is, you know, will this Braves team cool down? And I, I think we never got a true evaluation during the regular season of what kind of team this Braves side was. You know, obviously, as we talked about, they really had – they sustained a lot of injuries during the first half of the year. You know, they lost uh, Acuna just as the, the headline of things. Yeah. They ramped up at the deadline to the surprise of everybody. And, you know, the Mets kind of left that door wide open. But that's a conversation we've already had on this podcast. <laughs> and they and so we never got a real evaluation of what this team actually is. And I think we're seeing it right now. So we get into game three here. And this is going to be really interesting because, you know, that'll be at 5.08-ish, I guess, on uh, <laughs> Tuesday afternoon here on the east coast early evening walker bueller as we talked about him on the mound for the dodgers and charlie morton up on the hill for the braves this is going to be a really interesting three games in la and you know sam thomas talked about how the dodgers have what was a 70 750 or something along that line 750 and change winning percentage at home but to be honest with you they got to have a thousand winning percentage in these three games (laughs) yeah they do and i think game three is absolutely massive for the Atlanta Braves. You Certainly. Have, you have Charlie Morton on the mound, and he's your guy. He has a lot of postseason experience. He's pitched well so far this postseason. I know he doesn't match up name-wise with a guy like Walker Buehler, and obviously we know how good he can be. But the, 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 thing, the reason I say this is so important, because if the Braves find a way to win this one, I mean, they go up 3-0. 
And all yeah. of a sudden, you're thinking, okay, the Braves have won this series mm-hmm. within one game. And I know that that's obvious if you're looking at the stand, if you're looking at the way the series is. But tra- having your, I'd say probably your your most confident pitcher in Charlie Morton on the mound, and the 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 Braves have shown offensively that they can hit and they can survive against you know Max Scherzer. So who's to say they can't do that against Walker Buehler? I mean, I, I really do think that. This lineup finds a way to put up a couple runs. They find a way to maybe get to that bullpen. That's the big thing for Game 3, I think, is the, the Dodgers' bullpen is depleted. The Dodgers have had bullpen games multiple times. They, they, I think Game 1 was a bullpen game, and Game 5 against the Giants was another bullpen game. So they've had a lot of, of stress on this bullpen, and then their bullpen actually did throw a lot because Scherzer came out relatively early in Game 2 as well. So the bullpen's very tired. All these guys have thrown multiple games, game after game after game here. If you can find a way, Walker Buehler works deep into, into games, and that's why the Dodgers, I think, should be confident that he can find a way to get six, seven innings, which is a lot in the postseason, considering how early these guys come out. That maybe gives your bullpen a little bit of rest going forward in the series. But if the, if the Braves can find a way to get a couple runs up on Buehler, force him out of the game a little bit earlier, even five or six innings instead of seven, you get to that tired bullpen with the Braves lineup, and Charlie Morton on the mound, you put yourself in a good position. This game is absolutely massive for the Atlanta Braves. You have a chance. You have the Dodgers on the ropes going back home. But this is an incredibly talented Dodgers team, so you cannot give them any hope. That's the thing. You have to find a way to bury them. And they have a chance to do that here in Game 3. Well, Am I saying they're going to do it? No, I'm not saying they're going to do it. I still think the Dodgers are the more talented team. I think the Dodgers going home is huge. They play well at home. They'll find a way to fight back in this series and make this very interesting. I think the Dodgers still find a way to win, but I think it might be in six or seven. They may have to travel back to Atlanta. But, however, well, they're going to have to travel back to Atlanta anyway. But (laughs) I think it could very well go seven games because I'm looking at last year and I'm looking at the 3-1 deficit and the Dodgers, you can't count them out and they're Mm -hmm. talent-wise. But game three is a huge difference maker for the Atlanta Braves. If they find a way to beat Walker Buehler, this series is over. Yeah. It, it is. So the, I think if you're Atlanta, you have to put everything into game three here. And, and that's the difference maker. You have to find a way to bury this team while you have them on the ropes. My bold take is that the winner of game three wins the series. And obviously that's not bold coming from the Braves Oof. side. But from is the Dodgers side, if you take the first game of no, that I like that. at home, I like that. you have all the momentum in the yeah. world because you're only down one game. you got two home games left, and yeah. you know you are, yeah. you are the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Quiggs, I, I completely agree with no, that. No, I, I think he's right. Yeah. I, I think he's right. I'm That's just giving, I'm giving him some, <laughs> <laughs> some credit for it. But no, I think you're absolutely right. Ga- winner of Game 3 wins this series. Uh, any other final thoughts here, Quiggs? Yes, I do want to say – I want to address uh, – well, you said this is like the, the the much less entertaining series, and I agree with you because uh-huh. no. what this should be is Dodgers Giants. Oh Seven my games. goodness, you're right. That would be that is electric. True. Obviously, okay. okay. Well, like Mookie Betts said in in the post game. Yeah, after but you're that saying one, it's not Red Sox Yankees. Are you saying that a walk off win in the NLCS game? You know, are you saying those aren't electric? Are you saying no, moments like that aren't so, fun to watch? So yes, you cannot look at this series based off of what we saw from the Dodgers Giants or what you're currently seeing as a Red Sox fan. You can't do that. Right. Well, <laughs> as, that, well okay. that Giants Dodgers series. Well, accusatory, Sam. But, that Giants Dodgers series was. 
very entertaining. It was that tremendous. was the that series. felt like yeah. a World Series. It was a lot tremendous. Of times, which but was awesome. here's the thing: we cannot take it back. We cannot move that to the NLC. That just can't happen this okay, year. Well, That's okay, well, okay, not the way okay, it is. Okay, okay I'm just this, saying. This, this is a real question. Be a better. <laughs> this is this is a nice rhetorical question. We can <laughs> yeah. leave. We can leave our folks listening to if anyone's still listening by now. Uh, with. Uh, with with something for the remainder of things. You know, obviously, Dodgers-Giants in the NLDS happened because of seeding reasons, because of wildcard reasons, because of NOS reasons. But it should Major League Baseball, for entertainment reasons, set things up so that if those two teams were to meet, they could reseed things before the playoffs begin so that they would meet in the NLCS. That's a question. Uh, everyone should give a quick yes or no answer. What do you say, yes? I can't no? say yes or no. I, I, asked, I, I asked you to give a yes or no uh, answer, I'm gonna Sam. Say, I'm going to say maybe you reseed after the wild card, but don't reseed from, from oh, the Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you so on that. So that's, that's what I'll say. Quiggs, what do you think? you yeah. think Major League Baseball can take that artistic license? I think they reseed because right now if the Red Sox win this series they and the Braves, either way, they have to go on the road just yeah. because they're the wild card. Certainly. So that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem with Major League Baseball taking that artistic license and pushing things forward. But that is... I love oh. how this is where we got with our conversation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I just thought it would be a nice way to end things, no, okay? No, for sure. It's, it's the A-host blues. You, you guys are you wrong. Like it's an up. exciting series. <laughs> it's going to be a great NLCS and ALCS. Absolutely. Oh, I think we can all agree on that. This, this next week of baseball is just going to be fantastic. Yes. So we hope you tune into all of it, folks, and we'll talk about it more next week but my name is Dylan Balsamo along for my friends Sam Davis and Thomas Quigley this has been Nosebleeds enjoy baseball this week we'll talk more next Monday see you soon mm-hmm.